right, guys, we are back with our continued teaching in the book of Genesis. Been away for a little while, but now let's get back on track. Last time we were here, we were in Genesis chapter 18, and basically we were dealing with another appearance. As a matter of fact, it was a very brief time between Genesis chapter 17 and 18, but it's another appearance of God to Abraham, basically to confirm, or should I say, affirm that covenantal promise of having a son. And this, I actually believe what's going on, God did this in order to strengthen the faith of Abraham as well as the faith of Sarah in order that they both would be able to come together, okay? In other words, when God does things with man, now God can do things in accordance to his sovereign will and just simply do it. But usually it is the case when God does act in cases such as this one, God always acts within this confinement of faith. In other words, God encourages the faith. God acts within the sphere of faith of those with whom he's working with. So God needs, and, and I'm using that word in a, in a very uh, a slight way. God uses, God works within the confines of both Abraham and Sarah's faith so that they would both believe and God would be able to fulfill his promise. All right. Nothing will stop God from fulfilling his promise, but he still works within that confinement of faith. But anyway, enough of that. So we were talking about in Genesis chapter 18, and basically after God makes this visitation with Abraham, the two purposes to encourage the faith of Abraham and Sarah, and the second purpose also to inform Abraham of what he is about to do in Sodom. And this was primarily an object lesson to Abraham. When I say an object lesson, guys, it simply means this, what God is about to do with Abraham allowing Abraham, he allows Abraham to intercede for Sodom and which really in the back of Abraham's mind, he was interceding for Lot and Lot's family. And that's why he stopped basically at the number of 10. But anyway, but what God was allowing was, allowing was an object lesson. Remember he said, because he knew Abraham, he knew Abraham, that is, God knew there was a relationship between Abraham and God, and God wanted this to serve as an object lesson for Abraham in how to raise his family in righteousness, okay? And so that object lesson has to do with, because of the wickedness that's involved with the destruction of Sodom. So basically, what does Abraham do? He pleads for the most part, he pleads for Sodom and Gomorrah. All right. But for the most part, it is clear in the mind of Abraham, he knows that Lot and his family is there. So he is interceding on behalf of Lot and his family. All right. So God came down with the, with the accompaniment of two angels. We saw that in chapter 18. And then after the intercession with, with Abraham, the angels continue on in the work that God has sent them to do, and he moves towards Sodom. Okay? All right. All right. So now, 
Let's go to chapter 19. That's where we are today. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. He said, now behold my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go your way. They said, however, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house and he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Okay. So now we've, we've ventured toward the evening time. So verse number one lets us know clearly that there were two angels who were uh, there with God who when verse in chapter 18, who came with Abraham, two angels came with him. And now these angels have finally come down to Sodom in the evening time. And there they meet Lot as he was sitting in the gate. So Lot by sitting in the gate, that means he is acting as some form of a judge or a magistrate or an elder of the city, basically who will conduct the business of the city and also act as witnesses for certain legal obligations that would, that would take place. And so that's what it means when it says sitting at the gate of the city. Also, what we can see is a progression of Lot. The, the last time we saw Lot, remember at first Lot went down into the plains of Sodom at the separation between Lot and Abraham. And then remember in chapter 14, Lot ended up being taken as a captive and, and enslaved by the four kings. And Abraham had to rescue Lot as well as his people. And so we see Lot still being, the idea is, he is on the outskirts of the city. Then he moves even into the city. Now there's nothing necessarily wrong with all of this, but the point is what was clear is that the city was wicked. The city was wicked. And we see a progression of lot from the outside of the city into the internals of the city itself. Red flag should have come up, but nevertheless, it is what it is. But anyway, so the two angels came into the city and Lot met them and the customary greeting was given to them. My Lord, this, he's not seeing them as some deified creatures. It's just simply a, a, a greeting of respect and the bowing low. There's nothing unusual about that. It's just idea of a customary greeting to strangers. And because Lot is aware of the city, he is aware of the environment, how the people are in that city. He invites them to spend the night in his house. This is also customary at the same time. So in other words, there's nothing really unusual about these things, but there is still the idea in Lot's mind. He is aware of the wickedness of the people of this city. And so therefore he is extending a great amount of um, customary invitation to these men. All right. So the test comes Now there is a test that is given to Lot by means of a test is when the two angels 
uh, refuse, when they don't want, they don't accept his invitation to come into their house, come into his house. Lot presses hard upon the men to do so. So this becomes a test of Lot as in an act of kindness that he would demonstrate to these two messengers of God. Clearly, Lot passes the test and the two angels accept his invitation. Now, at all the while, even though we are introduced to these two messengers as angels, Lot is not aware at this particular time that they are angels. They simply appear to him as two men. Okay. So, all right. So let's continue. So it says in verse number three, let me make another point on that, that when they came into Lot's house, that he prepared a feast for him. One thing that is very interesting, and it is an indication that these are heavenly visitors. When they did eat bread, notice they ate unleavened bread. And I always notice leaven always is an indicator, is a spiritual, leaven is a spiritual indicator for sin. Okay. Leaven is a spiritual type. That's what I mean when I say indicator guys it means a spiritual type. It indicates sin. You'll even notice when the Bible talks about those particular feasts of Jehovah, the feast of God. One of the feasts is the feast of unleavened bread, which says that for seven days, that's after the feast of the Passover that they should eat unleavened bread. So the whole point that I'm talking about without me getting to all of those other things is it is interesting to see they ate unleavened bread as an indicators that they indeed are heavenly visitors, holy visitors. You got it? That they are angels of God. But anyway, unleavened simply means also too, guys, just in case you didn't know, without any yeast yeast. Okay. The idea is rising things that make the bread or the dough to rise. That's also, since I'm here, that's also the indication for sin because the Bible deals with sin as that rising up against God. Sin, that which comes against rises up against the knowledge of God, the commandments of God. All right, but enough of that. So let's go on. And since a lot of this is uh, for the most part narrative. We're going to read a lot and we don't have to deal with, I don't have to, I don't want to have to break down all of it because it's not necessary. It's basically almost like a story. Okay. Verse number four. So what happens before they lay down the men of the city, the men of Sodom surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they called to lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to, to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with a man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to nothing to these men inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. So when before the night should come and the people would go to bed, the men that came with Lot, everybody got ready to retire to go to bed. The men of the city 
somehow got word that Lot had these particular visitors at his house. And so they surrounded the house. What's interesting to see is they said that it was both young and old. Now we know the whole issue of this that pervades the text. The whole point is the homosexuality. That's the whole point that they wanted to have homosexual sex with these men. Now, the point that I want to bring right here is young and old. This pervasive mentality, homosexual sex, and the wickedness of homosexuality had so permeated the society that from the young as well as the old, the whole, so the whole point is this, all of society had began to be invaded with this particular wickedness. And that's why we can also see when God said that this wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah had become so great that it had become necessary for him to destroy Sodom. So notice, notice how we see all of these issues coming together, young and old. The pervasiveness of this wickedness had permeated the whole of society that all people, the young, can you imagine old folk, even to the young folk, everyone had engaged in this sort of thinking. But anyway, so they came out to Lot requested that the men, the two angels, should be sent to them and Lot, once again, in accordance to the customs of today, when a guest had come into your house, you were bound to protect those guests. But I think Lot went a little bit too far when he offered up his two virgin daughters. He said his two daughters who had not known a man. You see, Lot had four daughters. Two of them were already married, and we'll see later on in the text, and two of them were not married. So here we have the two unmarried daughters being offered by Lot to satisfy these debased sexual gratifications of these men. By this, I think my Lot had gone way too far. Number one, you're not going to get the men in my house. Number two, you're definitely not going to get my daughters. But anyway, so let's continue what happens. Verse number nine. So the men became indignant and angered because of Lot's refusal to give them the men for homosexual sex. They said, stand aside. Furthermore, they said, this one came in as an alien and already he is acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. But the men reached out their hands, brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the door. So, now we have Lot who went out to protect the two angels. The two angels end up having to protect Lot. The men of the city became angry and indignant at Lot because of his refusal to offer these two men to homosexual sex. In other words, not just simply homosexual sex, but also rape raped because it was against the will of these two men, quote unquote, angels. And so they said, 
Lot came in acting as a judge and now and, and, and he now refuses to give these two men up. So they're angry enough to break down the door. Lot, again, my point, who was trying to rescue the angels ends up having to be rescued himself. So the angels reached out their hand and struck the men of the place with blindness. And I could not help but think just a little bit, and I'm not going to get into it at all. When I think about the distinction, or should I say it this way, the differences between God, between men and angels. Isn't it interesting? Now, they are creatures different from us, and they have clearly powers that the Lord has given to them. Un, I, I think the word that I'm looking for is unnatural powers, powers that are not in accordance to nature, powers that defy the physical parameters of our world itself. You know, you, you understand what I'm trying to say, but nevertheless, I'm not going to get into all of that. That's for another discussion, but it is interesting. And I sometimes wonder to what what can they do? But anyway, enough of that. So they struck the men of the house with blindness and notice the Bible said that, that they wearied themselves trying to find the door. Now the depravity of the men of Sodom, you would think that after being hit with some, whatever the angels hit them with that took away their eyesight, it would be enough to drive them away. But instead of them running away, even in their blindness, notice what it said, they wearied themselves trying to, they were still searching, trying to get into the house. What I'm trying to say is this, the depravity of Sodom is clear right here. If you are blind, wouldn't you look for help? Wouldn't that be the first thing you would try to do? Try to look for help to regain your sight. They are not concerned with that. They are only trying to satisfy their lustful appetite for homosexual sex. So the depravity of Sodom is clear. So again, remember what God said, the sin and the wickedness of Sodom is great. And therefore it is necessary for Sodom to be destroyed. Why? Because their depravity is to this is to this degree. This is absolutely amazing to even consider that. I can't even fathom that. But nevertheless, let's continue. So the two angels make themselves known to Lot as well as their purpose in coming to him in the first place. Verse 12, then the two men said to Lot, whom else have you here? A son-in-law? and your sons and your daughters and whomever you have in the, in the city, bring them out of the place for we are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters and that, and the idea, let me just keep reading <laughs> and said, up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But he appeared to his sons-in-law to be jesting. Okay, so let's deal with that section. 
So the angels now have revealed to Lot their purpose in coming. And they begin to question Lot concerning his family. Remember I told you about Lot's son-in-law. He had two daughters, four daughters totally. Two were married to his sons-in-law. Okay. And then he had two daughters whom he had just offered to these fools outside the, his door of his house and also to his sons. But, but nevertheless, no, notice his son-in-law and his sons, his daughters, they ask, where are they? Get them out because the Lord has sent us to destroy this place. So Lot goes immediately to the house of his sons-in-law to warn them. But his sons-in-law, which may include his daughters, didn't believe Lot and they thought he was jesting. And so Lot simply had to leave the house. But let's continue reading. 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot saying, up. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. So the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out and put him outside the city. When they had brought them outside, one said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, oh no, my lords. Now behold, your servant has found favor in your sight and you have magnified your loving kindness, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains for the disaster will overtake me and I will, and I will die. Now behold, this town is near enough to flee to, and it is small. Please let me escape there. It is, is it not small that my life may be saved? He said to him, behold, I grant you this request also not to overthrow the town of which you have spoken. Okay, let's just stop there and let's talk about what has happened. So there is hesitation from Lot and Here's the thing that I also I think about too. In the destruction of all things. Remember when Lot departed from Abraham, he was a wealthy man. <laughs> he had great wealth. That was the reason, the reason why there was an argument between the servants of Lot and between the servants of Abraham that led to the separation between Lot and Abraham in the first place. Lot was so rich and Lot had migrated into the region of Sodom, first to the plain. Then he ends up in the city of Sodom as an elder of Sodom. So Lot had grew a name and reputation and maintained and no, probably no doubt grew his wealth even greater in Sodom. So now all of a sudden these angels come and make Lot aware that God is about to destroy Sodom. And now Lot has to flee with basically nothing, with nothing more for the most part, except the clothes on his back and the few family members who will believe him. And we can see the hesitation in Lot as he begins to think to himself that he's going to lose everything. And so what does he do? He hesitates all night, <clears throat> but nevertheless, 
the mercy of God, as we see being displayed in these angelic beings. They tear it with him all night long, get up in the morning and have to literally take him by the hand, his wife, his two daughters. So you got one angel with Lot and his wife, another angel with one of, one of each of his two daughters and have to almost as if per se, drag them out of the city, command them to flee to the mountain. And Lot begins to beg for his life. And he does, for some reason, he, is, he doesn't want to go to the mountain. And he begs to go to this city that we will name called Zor. And the reason, and the name of the city literally means small. And the angel grants him the plea to go to the city of Zor. Okay. So, but the whole party, the whole point that I'm making is, Lot becomes aware he is about to lose everything and he does not want to leave all of that behind. And we have, and the angel tells him, go to the mountain, flee for your life. But the point that I want you guys to see is do not look behind you. So the angel is telling Lot, yes, it, it actually means don't actually turn your head and look behind you but it also speaks of the heart. There is nothing in Sodom that you want, even if it means that you have to lose and leave everything behind. In a city so depraved and so wicked, don't let your heart become attached to those things. And what does it say to us today? And, and, I, and, and allow me guys to make even a, a somewhat departure, even from the text and, and kind of make a little analogy myself. Later on, Jesus is going to use that same idea when he sp speaks to the um, to the Jewish people when it comes to the final days, when he talks about leaving the city. And he Jesus gives the warning and says, remember Lot's wife. In other words, Jesus says, you leave. Don't worry about taking anything. Just run, run, run for your life. And these are in the final days. All right. And we don't want to get into all of that. But let me make this point. In this world, we have to remember, let us too be like Lot. This is a depraved world. Everything is going on. There is nothing in this life, no house, no clothes, no wealth, no money, no nothing. We don't look back. Jesus has saved us. He has paid the price on Calvary's cross. He has purchased us from our sins and he has promised that one day he will return and get us out of here. Let us too be looking forward to that time when Jesus will come back and get us the heck out of here. There is nothing in this Sodom, in this world that we want. We don't want to look back. Let not our hearts look back. Let not our minds think back on whatever we may be losing because we are going to a better place. Or in other words, for me to say it simply, ain't nothing in Sodom that I want. There is nothing in Sodom that I will miss. I'm going to a better place, to a heavenly place, and I will not look back. But anyway, so that's my preaching on that. So that's what the angels command them not to do. Don't look back. 
go to the mountains. Lot bargains with them because for some reason he is afraid to go to the mountains. He bargains to go into the town of Zor. And so the angels grant him that request. All right, so let's continue with the text. 22, hurry up, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the town was called Zor. The sun had arisen over the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Okay, so let's talk about that. So what happened? The angels tell him, hurry up because he can't do anything until Lot leaves Zor. And that's when you get the name of the town Zor, which literally means small or little. So the sun had arisen. So by the time that the sun had set, I guess around afternoon time, over Zor, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Interesting in verse number 24, it says, the Lord Yahweh reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah fire, brimstone and fire from the Lord. Notice there are two Yahweh's in verse number 24. There is Yahweh in heaven and there is Yahweh on earth. This is just another one of those verses in the Old Testament that allows us to see. It begins to give us a picture of the triune God. Now, we know in the New Testament, as the progressive revelation, that's what we call it, right? That we know our God is what? God is one being with three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is clearly taught to us in the New Testament, we can see that in the baptism of Jesus. Remember at Jesus' baptism, Jesus, the Son of God, being baptized, the voice from heaven, that is God who is speaking, and then the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus as a dove. So and we can and, and throughout the old throughout the New Testament we see this thing. But the point is in the Old Testament, this is not always seen with this type of clarity. So what we have are Verses like verse 24, where we see uh, the beginnings of these things being taught. And in other places, you can also see it too in the Old Testament. But this is not a study on this. And so therefore, I'm not going to get into all of that right now. But we see what? And Yahweh is in heaven. And Yahweh, the Lord, that's what the capital L-O-R-D, all caps mean, is on earth. One, raining down fire and brimstone from the other. Okay? But anyway, so Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. And what happens with Lot's wife? She turns to look at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and is turned into a pillar of salt. So, this is a memorial. This serves as a memorial, an object lesson for all to remember. But now here's something else that I want you to see. Although Lot's wife was delivered from Sodom, Sodom was not delivered from her, from her heart. 
she still had Sodom in her heart. Because why? In her looking back, it was an indication that there was a longing. There was a desire for something still in Sodom. My whole point is this, the corruption, the corrupting element of Sodom. A beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And so Lot not only lost thus far, remember now, his two daughters who were married to his two sons-in-law. That's four people. He has now lost five people because, or should I even say, through the corrupting agency of the sins of Sodom. But once again, think about it, guys. Remember the pervading sin of Sodom, the homosexuality? Sodom was a very wicked place. What was it that she was longing for? Notice what had happened to this woman. But not only that, even more so as we work through the text. I tell you what, let's just continue to work through this text and then I'll finally finish my a final point. All right. So his wife is now a pillar of salt. So even more heartache for Lot. Okay. And now he's bereft of basically all his families with the exception of just his two daughters. What happens in the morning? Remember, it all started with God coming to see Abraham and explain and telling Abraham, informing him of the judgment that was about to come up on Sodom and Abraham bargaining with uh, God for the lives, for the most part, of Lot and his family. So now we return back to that particular situation in verse number 27. Now, Abraham rose early in the morning and went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he saw and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. Thus, it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley that God remembered Abraham and he sent out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Now, let me talk about that because that's the main, that's a good point I want to bring here. So Abraham got up in the morning to see what had become of Sodom. Was the city saved or was it destroyed? And he found out that Sodom was destroyed. He saw smoke basically ascending from the city as God had destroyed the city. And in verse 29, however, it said that when God did that, God remembered Abraham. Now, I understand, I do know the Bible teaches that Lot was a righteous man. And the mercies of God was upon Lot. But what I want you to see is this. Notice, it said that God went to Lot, delivered Lot because he was having mercy to Abraham. That's a wonderful thing to see. In other words, God was having mercy on Abraham. He was saying, I remember the prayers. We can call it intercession. That's chapter 18. I remember the prayers and intercession of Abraham for his nephew. And so therefore I am going to have mercy on Abraham and deliver Lot. Now, what does this say to God fundamentally, principally does not change. If God had mercy on Abraham and delivered Lot, 
I believe that God would do the same thing for us. Everything doesn't have to be in the same exact and identical way, but the principle remains the same because of who God is and the nature of God. In other words, let me just simply give you an example. Abraham was the friend of God. Abraham was a righteous man. Abraham believed in God. He was the faithful one of God. Abraham had a relationship with God, a son of God. And therefore God in mercy, notice I said what I said, guys, in mercy, he allowed Abraham to intercede on behalf of his loved ones. And what did God do? God showed mercy to Abraham's loved one, not Yes, Lot was righteous, but the, here, the issue is not so because of Lot's righteousness. The issue here is because of Abraham's relationship with God. God will show mercy on your loved ones, on our loved ones, on your children, on my children because of us. You see what I mean? So how would I say it this way? It doesn't it behoove us. It is such a wonderful thing that even others can be shown mercy and grace through our relationship and through our intercession. So how important is it really that we should have a firm, a wonderful, and even, should I say joyous guys, relationship with our Lord because God will hear our prayer even when we pray and should I even say for our children, for, for our nieces and our nephews. Why? Lot was the nephew of Abraham. But, but anyway, enough of that because this is going long enough. Let me finish out, guys. Let me finish out with this last section. And I want to just make one final point, okay? And then we're going to close it out. So we're going to start verse 30, okay? Lot went up from Zor. He stayed in the mountains and his two daughters. Remember, that's all he has left now. That's all he has left with him. For he was afraid to stay in Zor and he stayed in a cave. He and his two daughters. Then the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old. There is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and let us lie with him that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. On the following day, the firstborn said to the younger, behold, I laid last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie, and lie with him that we may preserve our family together, preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when they lay, when she lay down or when she arose. Thus, both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore son and called his name Moab. Moab literally means of my father. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. As for the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. Ben-Ami means son of my people. He is the father of the sons of Ammon to this day. Okay, so let me wrap it up. So 
Lot afraid that he would be destroyed in Zoar. So he finally did what he should have done in the first place, what the angels told him to do. Flee to the mountains. He goes up to the mountains, lives in a cave. His two daughters then become concerned. Notice they say that there's not a man of all the earth. They're not saying that there are no more men in the world, but then there are no more men that they're finding suitable unto themselves in some other, in some way or another. But the point that I want to stress here is this, even though the daughters of Lot were taken out of Sodom, all right, Sodom was not taken out of his daughters either. Remember, we just dealt with the wife. She was turned to what? A pillar of salt. Once again, how the pervasiveness of Sodom had corrupted his wife. Now we also see how that same mentality and pervasiveness, pervasiveness had corrupted Lot's daughters as well to the point that they thought, notice that they thought it was a good thing, a legitimate thing to have sex with their father. Now this is abominable, but nevertheless, this was the mindset that they had learned. You have to ask yourself the question, well, where did they learn such debased ideology? Where did they learn that this kind of activity would be okay? They learned it in Sodom. My point again, they were taken out of Sodom, but Sodom was never taken out of them. And let me just drive home another practical point. For this reason, we have to be very careful about our children. There are so many things that are constantly trying to teach our children, invade their minds, whether in the schools, because they teach all kinds of things in schools except God. Anything can go in schools except God. You can pass out condoms. You can do, you can teach sex and you can teach homosexual sex in school. Sodom is pervasive in our society. And we have to be careful of that with our children because even though we may not be teaching it, the world, Sodom is teaching these things to our children and they are learning these things from the world around them. So the school, the internet, and every TV, Lord have mercy, TV is awful. TV is just absolutely awful. I can remember there was a time when you couldn't use cuss words on TV. I can remember a time when you watch I Dream of Jeannie, they didn't even show her belly button because it was uh, 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 unlawful to show the woman's belly button. But now you can just about see right out sex. I don't even watch TV anymore because it's so awful. It's just awful. It's just awful. Sodom is pervasive and everywhere. And if you don't think that these things are entering into the minds of your children and teaching your children, you got another thing coming. They are learning from these things just like Lot's daughters learned from their environment. And notice, they learned, it, 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 was, it was just awful. It's just upside down to think it's fine to have sex with your father to bear children. But that's what they did. But anyway, so that's the point. So what happened? So spiritually, what did I say? Spiritually, when the angels rescued Lot, his two daughters, and his, his wife, only one person came out alive from Solomon. Spiritually alive. Everybody else was spiritually 
dead. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me on that one. Catch you next time. Have you subscribed yet? What are you waiting for? Subscribe.